Welcome to Making a Splash, the arts and culture podcast that celebrates swimming and the sea. I'm your host, Amber Butchart, a dress historian and keen but incredibly unaccomplished sea swimmer. For a lot of my 20s and 30s, I was half of a DJ duo, playing music around the world, from cabaret clubs and swanky fashion parties to Glastonbury Festival. Back in 2008, we did one of my favourite ever gigs, DJing at the Mermaid Parade in Coney Island. Wearing skin-tight sequin mermaid dresses and holding parasols to protect us from the scorching New York June sun, we shuffled along the boardwalk with a mobile DJ set up, playing 1950s rock and roll, surrounded by people dressed as sea creatures, from octopuses and jellyfish to King Neptune himself. The parade has been running for nearly 40 years, and if you haven't been, you need to add it to your bucket list. During this period in my life, swimwear was associated with the stage rather than the sea. We found swimsuits to wear as costumes from the vintage shop we were working at, and my interest was firmly focused on showgirls, not swimming. Today's guest is someone I met through DJing, another performer who quickly became a lifelong friend. Marua is an international showgirl. Hula hooper extraordinaire, circus star, roller skating queen, author and clothing designer with her own range of stretchy clothing to help you move and feel your best. We discussed the swimming showgirl, including vintage swimwear as costume inspiration, the joy of swimming while pregnant, swimming culture in Australia versus LA and channeling showgirls from Esther Williams to Josephine Baker. Now, the first time that we actually met, you were dressed as a majorette. I remember it very, very clearly. You were wearing a one-piece blue showgirl outfit, knee-high socks, which I always saw you in for a long time. And you were hula-hooping on stage at the Cobden Club. And I can't actually remember what I was wearing, which is quite unusual, what we were wearing. We were there DJing. You were doing a show. Yeah, I'm, imp- I'm impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I hope my memory is as good as yours because in my memory, you were wearing these short black dresses that had these big white collars. If you ah. know the one, if you know the ones. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's in my memory. That was the first outfit because I was like, look at these two outfits. It's so cute. <laughs> well remembered. Well remembered. <laughs> Now, I definitely remember your outfit. And basically, for a long time, when I was living in London, when we were all international showgirls for a yes. few years, yes. uh, well, you still most definitely are, basically, my relationship with swimwear for a lot of that time was as costume, was as a showgirl costume. Absolutely. It was something I wore on stage. It was not something I ever wore for swimming. I didn't do much yeah. swimming. Yeah. Totally. Um, and so I was thinking about that sort of relationship between leotards and between swimwear and thinking especially about your majorette look. And I mean, what was it that inspired that look and what has inspired a lot of your costumes? So so the blue one was was definitely purely a majorette um, inspired costume. You know, that those images you see of marching bands with these amazing, and I just thought they were the best outfits ever because as a long time 
lifelong lover of knee-high socks, I was like, this is brilliant. It's got the socks and then it's, you know, and the sort of um, uniform aspect to it. And I had the three chains across the front and then pom-poms and, you know, obviously the bigger versions that had, you know, gloves and hats and all this kind of thing. And, you know, there was only so much I could wear whilst hula hooping. I did for a long time try and keep the gloves as part of it until I hit one person too many with a hula hoop because they would fly out of my hands with the gloves. So then eventually the gloves had to go. Um, but I did try for a long time. Um, but I, I just loved it. I just loved everything about those uniforms. But then obviously, and then also a lot of my other costumes were definitely inspired by vintage swimwear because as someone who wasn't really interested in being on stage in a scanty, brief, tiny little, you know, thong situation or anything like that I definitely wanted full coverage um vintage swimwear made the perfect base for an outfit that was really cute easy to move in but you still felt covered in Mm -mm. such a good point such a good point and we would wear not only did we have a lot of vintage swimwear but even do you mean it's sort of before Spanx I think but you could get those control pants and they formed like a huge part of our costumes for a long time Yes, with all sorts of amazing, you know, diamond worked like shapes into them with double layers on the front and breathable panels on the sides. I mean, the shapes were so great, always designed to sort of, you know, bring you in at the waist, but then give you lots of room on the hip, which was also a great way to, to be able to move. Exactly. And they would just come up so high. Like we literally had some that would, so yeah, that would stop just below the bust. And it was just like the perfect, perfect costume, perfect showgirl costume. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, I loved them. I loved them. Now, while I was going through uh, that phase of swimwear was definitely about being a showgirl rather than necessarily swimming. I was also really obsessed with Esther Williams, the mermaid film star, who I know has also been the greatest, a big inspiration for you. Um, And I'm desperate to hear about the graduation show that you did for circus school that was inspired by Esther Williams. Yes, yes, my thesis, the end of my the end of my three year Bachelor of Circus Arts degree. It is a real degree. It exists, and you know the last the end of the three year course, you you spend developing one specific act, and I had chosen swinging trapeze to be my uh, chosen skill, even though I was very aware that I was nowhere near as light or flexible uh, or tiny or skilled as, say, you know, every other Russian acrobat or uh, member of Cirque du Soleil. So I wasn't really going uh, going for a routine that was highly, highly skill-based. It was much more of a comedy trapeze act, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> um, and part of that, um, you know, part of the way I did that in that routine was that I was dressed as a swimmer and I had full-size flippers on that were appropriately covered in glitter so they also looked really nice under lights. Fantastic. <laughs> and tell me, what did the act itself ensue? Because, I mean, I've seen you perform. I, d- I mean, I don't know how many times we've done, you know, hundreds of shows together. Yeah. I've been to shows that you've done, you know, just so many, but you've never recreated this act. Tell yeah. me about it. I really chose, I did do for, for a few years after, after that show, um, I actually got booked from that show to then perform with La Soiree, La Clique, um, as it was known back then, the static trapeze version of it. And static trapeze, in in order of um, complicated, you know, to sort of easy acts, you have swinging trapeze, very complicated, needs a lot of equipment, static trapeze, 
less complicated and then obviously hula hoops much easier so um for traveling and stuff hula hoops became the go-to but I did you know when I was at circus school and had chosen swinging trapeze you know and was allowed I could I mean I can't believe they let me in I definitely can't believe they let me do swinging trapeze and I really couldn't believe that Helene Embling who became my trainer was willing to train me um because you know you know I just felt like there were just so many more talented people out there but they let me have a go and they let me up there and I was like if I'm going to spend three years you know I'm sure I'll get okay at this by the end and it was just such an amazing opportunity to have access to this equipment you know swinging trapeze is not straightforward it's not something that you can just set up anywhere um it needs a lot of rigging it needs a lot of safety it needs a lot of equipment and you know I knew that I was gonna probably not have an opportunity like that again so I really went all out for the show and so when I put the show together, the costume that I had, which was really in some ways my first proper costume because that was my first big show, was a purple satin pair of bathers which had been recreated from a pair of black Janssen bathers, with Janssen being the greatest so uh, vintage, yeah, vintage swimwear brand that I've ever come across, which my very glamorous grandmother had worn back in the day, um, who I got a lot of great vintage pieces um, were stolen out of her wardrobe. Hold on, just one second. So you had a vintage Janssen swimsuit from your grandmother that you recreated. Why did I never know this? I don't know. And it it had amazing, like, cone... You know how they had the really structured bras? It had the cone boobs. It was a halter neck with the cone boobs and then, you know, low on the hips, full brief with a sort of drop-waisted, ruched panel that went across the front, you know, the sort of modesty panel that they all had, those little panels across the front. And so I had the same pair, because they fit me perfectly, recreated in this purple satin lycra, super shiny, super stretchy, uh, with the same ruching but then with frills across the bum and a matching headband and a huge pair of sunglasses and the glittery, um, I want to call them flip-flops. Well, I've forgotten what they're called now. Flippers, flippers on my feet. Yeah, so that was my look. But I was also accompanied uh, by six, I demanded all, I needed full cast, six acrobats in purple and pink hot pants to match my purple and pink um, because the frills were pink on my outfit and then they had lifeguard hats that were purple and pink alternating the way that you have the yellow and red on the classic uh, lifeguards hat and they carried me onto the stage in this kind of I was sort of lifeless being carried above their heads and then they hooked me up to the trapeze and I was sort of brought up into the sky but still sort of acting lifeless and hung off the back of the trapeze and then they threw a life ring up to me and then made that position you see in pictures where they all stand in a line and pull the rope except they were pulling the swing of the trapeze and then I sort of came to life and let go of the life ring at which point perhaps 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 started playing great soundtrack for swinging trapeze beautiful song to do swinging trapeze to and then somehow after yeah three years of falling off a lot I actually managed I to this I don't know how I did it now but at the time I managed to pull off a standing back salt in the flippers (laughs) um and sort of landed back on the trapeze and then that was the end of the routine and then I and then I dived off the front of the trapeze but but caught the trapeze um by my heels and then swung back and forth whilst doing that sort of hands clasped, looking like I was going to dive, pouting at the audience. And then once I'd done that, you know, and really had enough and then just like flew off the front of the trapeze and then was caught by one of the, um, one of the lifeguards. 
and that was oh my day. god <laughs> oh my god i mean i'm not surprised you've not really recreated that to be honest yeah. it sounds incredibly <laughs> complex but amazing and i certainly hope you've got some pictures Oh, my hair, my hair. I remember my hair being really huge and finding out the hard way that you do when you, you know, I hadn't really ever worn a lot of makeup and gloss lipsticks and hair and wind are a terrible combination. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that on a trapeze. It's yeah. not ideal, not ideal at all. Oh, my gosh. I love that also about your grandmother's swimsuit. That's amazing. Janssen are just one of my favourite brands oh, to research. The They're yeah. so good. Yeah. And back in my days of working at Beyond Retro, my very, very early days, actually, one of the most special things I got was a 1920s Janssen swimsuit, mm, which I've never worn for swimming because it's, you know, quite heavy wool. Yes. It's one of those like with the little shorts. Yeah, they're not comfortable. They're not, I mean, as, as, as we went on, you know, they got more, you know, they worked out how to put like some nice lining in them and make them feel nicer on the skin. But definitely those early ones are very abrasive, a bit like wearing a Brillo. You know, it's not, definitely. Not very definitely. comfortable. Not yeah. comfortable at all. So I wore it in my early 20s. I wore it quite a lot for posing and for pictures, but, but definitely. Mm not for swimming but I still have it preserved very very delicately oh, yes. it's yeah just amazing so I love that about your grandmother's swimsuit do you still have it yes 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 I have it I have it it's in Melbourne I have a I keep a stash of stuff that mum's always like you still want to keep all this stuff I'm like yes don't throw it out <laughs> definitely 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 your, your grandmother sounds incredible oh she was very glamorous she was very she was she was a real character she was a chemist and it later in life became a very amazing gardener slash botanist that could kind of splice plants and do all sorts of magical things, made lots of bonsais. She, you know, she had an incredible garden and she lived two doors down from me, so I spent a lot oh, of time with her. Lovely. Yeah. And, and just had the most glamorous wardrobe with all the trimmings, you know, full set of hair in rollers every night, like, you know, the whole lovely, lovely, lovely. Now back to Esther Williams as your inspiration for your circus school show. Now I've really yes. lamented to you before how difficult it is to actually watch Esther Williams movies uh, now yes. in the UK. I just don't understand yes. why it's so difficult to get the no. catalogue. Why is it so hard? Why? There are all these brilliant films, not just Esther Williams, but why are they so hard to get? You can get all this trash. There is so much trash that is easy to access, but where are the classics? It's so <laughs> frustrating. It's so frustrating. It's just, it's ridiculous. The thing is, I'd be so happy to pay to watch them so on YouTube. Happy. Like, so, so happy. happy to pay. And you can find loads of old movies on YouTube. And I watch loads of, you know, yeah. pay to watch loads of stuff on YouTube. Where yeah. is the Esther Williams? Where? I just want Where to watch are it. They? What's the story? If we yeah. ever do have access in the UK, like what are your favourite Esther Williams film recommendations? So I was thinking about this. I my the real dream for me is not just I mean, I love obviously Esther Williams. I'm giving her I'm gonna I you know, you know what? I'm gonna backtrack this. I'm only gonna give her 50%. Esther Williams is getting 50%, but the real dream team is Esther Williams and Busby Berkeley. Oh, yes. That's really what it's about. Because what's the only thing better than one Esther Williams is when you can have 500 extras, chorus lines of people doing the same thing, making these pixelated, repetitive patterns and shapes, which is what Busby Berkeley was just such a genius at. And that's really what makes those things so incredible. I mean, she was absolutely, undoubtedly a phenomenal, incredible talented swimmer you know like the skill level is mad and also that you know million dollar mermaid being the real pinnacle of that combination of 
technology, sound, you know, fire coming out of water, but also the trapezes over the water, which is where really the inspiration for the act came. Going through smoke bombs of colour, you know, and all this wild, crazy, crazy shots and footage. It is just, it's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. I remember reading in her autobiography about filming some of those big scenes from Million Dollar Mermaid. And there's that one where she's dressed entirely in gold and she's got that tiny crown on. Don't know yes. if you remember. Yeah. Yes, and yes, yes, yes. she had to, she does a dive from really high up. Super high. With a t- this tiny crown on that basically if you're entering the water, it just acts as like a dagger going into yeah, your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got really quite injured, I think, from that. Yeah, and also you see on the footage sometimes those shots where she gets taken out of the water and she goes up high, 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 and then there's, you know, a 100 people underneath like, yes, come down and land on us. And you can see that they're on quite shallow water and you notice that in it's only a very small bit in the middle is where the deeper water is for her, but she has to hit that mark. To, to land and then and then the other shot that always gets me that is really slept on in terms of skill level is the shot where she basically is standing at the top there's these two sort of pyramid shapes and she just slides down on her feet she's standing and it's like a water slide on a really 45 degree angle or if not more and she's standing and she goes like all the way down but I'm like that is not easy <laughs> it's just like remarkable the physical exertion that some of those scenes and some of those performers had to go through to create something that looks so effortless is is just remarkable and also like I'm obsessed with synchronized swimming like synchronized swimmers they're mad they're like they're mad mad they're like crazy people and they have the nose plug and they have the full face of makeup and they're doing that and you know and you watch those routines and I mean, the skills they're doing now, like they're, you know, they're, I can't remember, I think it was the last Olympics or the Olympics before where suddenly they'd worked out that they could actually shoot someone out of the water, let them do a somersault and come back in again, which is just mind blowing. So all of those sort of skills are kicked in. And when you watch those routines and I just, I can't, because they're upside down for, you know, these extended periods of time under the water. But then you watch something like Million Dollar Mermaid and these scenes that go for seemingly forever where she's underwater and you're just like, wait, how? where's the hidden oxygen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those ones where there's like people making, you know, human sort of tubes and she's coming, swimming through them and you're like, okay, this is definitely one take, but like how many somersaults is that person having to do upside down and backwards for this shot that doesn't end? And how many takes did they have to do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unpicking yeah. those technicalities just it just gives me a headache just thinking Mm. about it just yeah unbelievable Uh, esther williams isn't the only showgirl movie star that you have been inspired by or you know emulated in your performances because you did a whole season as josephine baker quite a few years ago now tell me about playing josephine baker oh well this is yes this was quite a good story actually just in in regards to 
the costume aspect of it because um, I did get the role of Josephine. And actually one of the funniest things I think about now when I look back on it is that I remember when I got the job and I knew that I was going to be in New York and I knew that I was going to be there for at least six months and I was like, I should cut all my hair off. I should cut all my hair off and really play this properly. But I just couldn't commit and I kept my hair really long. And then I think it was a year or two later I shaved my head again and I was like, why didn't I just do this at the time? (laughs) I'd spent so long (laughs) slicking it back every night, side part it, trying to hide it and then putting kiss curls in. I was like, oh man, this Mr. Trick there. But, you know, and I've always loved Josephine and, you know, and I remember when people started saying to me when I was at circus school, they were like, oh, you look like Josephine Baker. You should play Josephine Baker. And I was like, is that the only other mixed race, light skinned person that, you know, is that, I'm like, this is really a basic sort of way to be like, oh, another person that looks like this. I was, And I remember YouTube happened And then, you know, that was the first time I could see footage of her. You know, I knew who she was in theory. I'd seen a picture of her in a banana skirt, but not beyond that. And then, you know, I started seeing this footage and was like, oh, I do kind of look like there is a similar, like the faces and all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, this is so weird. And then I got really fascinated by her and had and had read a lot about her. And so then when I when I was asked to audition and then got the job to play her in New York, I was just like, oh, this is amazing. But at that point, I knew a lot about her. I knew that she, you know, was really involved in the civil rights movement. I knew that she'd had 12 adopted children. I knew that she had, you know, been a spy. I knew that she'd done all this other stuff. Wasn't just like dancing around in a banana skirt, you know, that was just one aspect of her life, which is why I really was so excited to play her. And I had said at the audition, because I was invited to audition, so different to showing up to one because, you know, they come and ask you and I said, listen, I'd love to do it, but I'm wearing a top. Like, just to be clear, there's no version of this where I don't wear a top. Like, I'm not, I've never been that type of performer. That's not how it works, but I'd love to do it. And then they said, yes, 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 no problems, you know, did the audition. And then and again, when they offered me the job, I said, just a reminder, like, I'm definitely wearing a top, just letting you know. Yes, 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 yes. And then I, you know, I'm in New York and we're, we're in rehearsals and I'm working on the routine because it was a, started with, with a dance and then went into the hula hoops and, um, you know, and then the costume fitting. Finally, you know, I, you know, I was just waiting to see what would happen. And I turn up to the costume fitting and sure enough, I get there and they're like, oh, yes, we're ready for you and here's, you know, here's the costume and they'd already taken all the measurements and they're like, you know, we'll we'll check everything so just put it on and we'll come back. And on the hanger was just one pair of shorts and one banana skirt and two wrist cuffs. And I said, oh, I think you're missing something. <laughs> and, I, and I was really, I felt furious, like so angry because I thought, I, I know myself, there's just no version where where I could have done it. Mm. But I know that there's most women that I work with, and you know, there's a version of your younger performing self where you're like, oh, I want the job so bad. And, and I was lucky that I'd had enough experience at that point. I don't know. I just, I don't know why, but I just was like, this is really rude. Like you think I'm going to cave in and you think because you've brought me to New York and because you've given me the job and because I've already been here for a month at this point that I'm just going to get, and I'm standing in a room, literally a room full of men right now who were like, you know, the costume designer was male as well. And I was like, you think I'm going to do this? And there's no way (laughs) that I'm going to do it. I'm not even putting it on with my t-shirt. I'm not coming back till like, I just don't know. I, I felt really lucky and I was so mad on behalf of everyone else that I knew who, you know, I've heard stories like this before. And I just was like, just call, I said, I'm good. I'll go home. Like, you just call me when come back when there's a top. 
and they were all, you know, and the costume is so shitty, but, oh, but, you know, this isn't the image, this isn't the character. And I'm like, from day one, you knew that this was the deal. So if you want me, this is how it's going to be. I don't care. And so then what ended up happening is I had a bra and they made me a bra that they grumbled about and the bra had pearls and it had this really crazy intricate necklace of pearls and I said great and that what they were trying to do is kind of be like oh the, she doesn't have a top on it's all pearls and pull a hooping with no bra on it's not going to be comfortable like no one wants a hoop bashing them in the chest so I got my top but it had all these strings of pearls attached to it and I was like what do you think is going to happen when I start spinning hoops on this and sure enough I would spin the hoops and all the pearl necklaces would break and they'd be like, oh, wouldn't this be easier if you didn't have a top on? And I'd say, well, wouldn't it be easier if you just had a costume that worked? Because it's not my problem. That's crazy. It is so good. <laughs> it's so good that you stuck to your guns there. It's just like a microcosm of all of those wider discussions, obviously, that have happened over the last few years about power dynamics in, well, obviously mm. the film industry, especially, but across the entertainment world of, you know, music everywhere. And just the fact that they consistently thought they could get you to back down. Yeah. And, and the other thing I remember really thinking at the time, and, you know, I don't know, I never met her. I'm not, you know, but everything I read about Josephine, I just kept thinking, she was very comfortable in her body. Other people were shocked. Other people, you know, had opinions about it. She, if she's watching this right now, she's not wanting me to not wear it. Is she not, like, this is, I've been very clear about it. And I feel really lucky that I was old enough and comfortable enough to be able to do that. And I, and I get, you know, personally get very angry when I hear stories of other performers who, you know, have all sorts of different versions of this that have happened and, yeah, and have been really stuck or have lost the job or have, you know, all that kind of stuff because, yeah, it happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the production itself, you got to work with or spend time with one of Josephine Baker's sons as well, didn't you, throughout that period yeah, in so, New York? Oh, my gosh. So it was so funny because my – so I had a great flatmate, Marco Nuri. Oh, my goodness, Marco, I love you so much. I haven't – we haven't spoken for a long time, but we were, you know, we were put in the same apartment together, you know, and I said to Marco – there's a restaurant. There's a restaurant in New York and it's called Shea Josephine. And one of Josephine Baker's sons runs a restaurant. And he was like, but we have to go. We have to go. And I was like, I can't, I can't. What if he gets mad that he finds out I'm playing Josephine and I'll be so upset and, and, and then I'll have to spend the whole year avoiding him. And I, you know, and he's like, no, 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 we have to go. So he dragged me. We went up to Josephine. This is before the show had even opened. And, you know, and Jean-Claude Baker was very flamboyant around the restaurant. He was known for sort of, you know, wearing, you know, Josephine's headdresses. He had all the collection and, um, he was there. We got there and he, you know, he sat us down and, and took a real shining to Marco and they had, they were having lots of chats and he was like, what are you doing in New York? And oh, you're going to be a star and you're going to be fabulous. And You know, it was really going on with Marco all the time. And then eventually he sort of turned to me halfway, you know, he kept coming and checking our table. And then he just turned to me and he said, but you, and he was holding my face like this and he was like, but you should be playing Josephine in the show. And I was like, I just remember being like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, actually, I, I am. <laughs> and he was like, ah, oh, this is amazing, you know. And it was just like this moment I was like, ah, oh, it was just like after that, everything just was like brilliant. And so every Friday, and I made a deal with myself, I was like every Friday after the show, I took a taxi from the show up to Shea Josephine and I would have dinner there. 
it led to mad, you know, some of the best stories I have from New York for things that happened at Shea Josephine. And he would announce when I would enter, Josephine is here. And I would come in, I'd keep my makeup on from the show. And it was just fabulous. It was, it was great, great time. That's so incredible <laughs> to get that seal of approval from her son. Just yes. amazing. The best use of your paycheck. Now, in terms of actual swimming rather than just swimwear for stage use, I know yes. that like you were roller skating with your mum at the age of about two. You obviously went to circus school. Like you've always been very, very physical. Like, what's your earliest yes. memory of swimming? I mean, we were in the pool, the water, and and the ocean like very early on. Which you know, living in London, I've always been totally perplexed by the how many people don't know how to swim you know mm, in mm. Australia it's kind of like that's you know it's like school it's like one of the first things you learn and not just swimming you do all these other weird things like I was telling this to another English person the other day who just didn't understand what I was trying to explain but we would do um you do all these like swim training things for sit so one of the and one of the big ones was wearing clothes so wearing a full outfit and jumping in the deep end of the pool which I learned the hard way it's really hard to swim with like full like sneakers and a. I, I remember I wore wool. I don't know why. I think I thought that I was going to you know, I'll oh, make it as hard as different. And it's really hard, like you know. And so the idea is to know how to save yourself in all sorts of different water situations. Yeah, for sure. Turbulent water and how to float and how to just you know rest your body because a lot of stuff around swimming is to do with you know getting tired. So yeah, lots of different weird challenges, water challenges. But I think it's definitely interesting. Like I visited Australia for the first time last year just before the pandemic hit as you know mm. and and I was really astounded by the difference in what people there are taught what you learn because I grew up by the mm. sea in in the UK mm. you know I mean I didn't swim a lot in the sea as a child but I did swim in it sometimes and I was sort of used to being around the sea and in the sea but the way that you're taught to understand tides currents things like that it's just completely different yeah. to here and also I mean classic tourist went to obviously went to Bondi Beach when we were in Sydney and I remember just standing in the water sort of like up to mm. my knees and just thinking yeah. I can't go any further because I can feel the force of this yeah. water in the way that yeah. I've never felt the force of water before. Yeah, yeah, and it can really, that's the Bronte Beach, which is two be beaches across from Bondi, is where I had the my closest near-death ocean experience, you know, just in the middle of the day. And I, you know, and it, the ocean is, is crazy. It's wild. It's wild out there. And it's, you know, and you have to really respect and give it space and, and read read the signs. Yeah. Um, and that's, and, and, and swim between the flags, the most... Aussie thing of all time. Yeah. Swim between the flags. Bronte Beach is amazing. That was my favourite, my favourite yeah. in the bays. We did the Coogee to Bondi walk and we swam in every bay. So you were swimming from basically, you probably just like swam out of the womb. <laughs> do you ever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever even remember a time in your life when you couldn't swim? I got, I remember getting a little freaked out after the Bronte incident in the ocean. 
And I remember not being quite as... I remember it really took me a minute to get my confidence back in to swim in the open seas mm. after that, you know. In terms of actually learning, like, did you learn when you were so young that you don't even remember learning? Oh, yeah, no, I don't remember. I don't remember learning, no. I just always remember being in it. And then, the, yeah, that time in Bronte and the time I jumped in wearing all the clothes, they were the two times that I was like, can't swim, can't get up, ah, going under, can't... You know, that's the only time I've ever felt like that yeah oh gosh that's terrifying that's terrifying yeah um well now that you live in LA you obviously are enjoying the full LA lifestyle because you have a pool where you live which I have swum in which is magical how glorious is so glorious how has that affected how much you swim oof I mean you'll be happy to know or maybe not happy to know but I swim every day (laughs) (laughs) I'm pleased to hear it you know it took me a long time to get my head around living the LA life if you will but it's amazing what the mind is capable of and I have adjusted fully (laughs) (laughs) congratulations um yes yes yeah I feel desperately spoiled and um and very guilty about all things environmental, but, um, you know, I do my best. And I'm also like, the pool is here, the pool should be swimming. Oh, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at with the pool. Yeah, and just in terms of how my body feels, like, honestly, there's nothing better for you than being in water and having the weight off your joints of gravity, you know. It's just... There's nothing like it. Now you have a a son of your own, a lovely tiny little baby. Are you following the same sort of swim regime, I suppose, with him? Yes, and and it was really bizarre being pregnant in the pool. You know, I think that definitely saved, you know, also year of the pandemic, like wild times. So having the pool was just a godsend during last year because moving was hard and moving and keeping, you know, I've learned now carrying a baby is a lot on your body and it's very heavy and for your joints and for your posture and all those sorts of things. And being able to be in the water was, I I don't know what sort of situation my body would be in if I hadn't have had that. It was unbelievably luxurious to be able to be in the water and have all the weight come off. And what was really funny is at sort of, I don't know when it was, four or five months, I think, roughly, he started working out when we were in the pool. So I get you, 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 they don't move at the start and then they start moving and they kick around, but it's all kind of random. But we, but it got to this point where I would get in the water and then if I stood still, he'd sort of test it out. I don't know what it felt like for him, but he'd sort of, and then he'd just go crazy. He'd be like, bah, 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 kicking all over the place. I'd be like, oh gosh, calm down. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the, what that meant gravity-wise. It must have just, he must have been like, Woo. <laughs> I can float around in here more or something. But yeah, that felt really, really bizarre. Amazing. And now does he enjoy being in the yes, water as well? Yes, yes. And I don't know what I'm doing. I need someone to tell me because I, you know, I do, you know, I know from with my brothers and sisters when they were a lot younger than me. So I, I taught a lot of them I was around when they were learning how to swim and the classic, you know, one, two, three, and then you go and blow on their face and then, the baby goes because you've blown on their face and that's when you dip them under the water and I need a baby swim instructor because I'm too I'm not I'm not holding him under the water I'm too scared I'm like we're only doing dips at the moment but yeah he he loves it he loves it now besides your pool at home that looks out over a vista of LA where is the other favorite place that you have ever swum Ooh, 
I would have to say first place that comes to mind, two places come to mind. One is not, one is a bad place though. One is a good place. The good place that I really loved was swimming at, in Abu Dhabi early in the morning and being able to go in the water fully clothed where the water was sort of up to my neck just you know walking in from the ocean this it is man-made beach which is slightly weird but it's you feel like you're sort of in this simulated it feels a little bit like you could be on another planet at that time there's you know desert skies early morning sun coming up in this bizarre ocean but like hot like not even warm like hot water like hot ocean where and clear like I could see to my feet I just remember that being a really bizarre very enjoyable experience and I did that um, you know my parents have lived on and off in the Middle East so I would you know that particular trip I think I was out there for a couple of weeks and every morning that was the routine because it was peak summer so no one's going out in the middle of the day but early in the morning it was still felt like you know 25 30 degrees and then going into the water it was like really hot and that was wild I mean hot swimming in warm water is I forget it you know I've been swimming with you in Margate and being like this is fun this is great this is how refreshing (laughs) and then you go to Hawaii or somewhere and you're like oh that's right yeah (laughs) hot (laughs) warm like as the water's you know as the water's coming up that first time to hit you in the feet and I'm like why am I bracing like this and I'm like because I'm getting ready for the cold and then you're like ooh, warm mmm relaxing so nice not that not that I don't like a cold a cold dip is always good though too well where's top of your list to swim that you haven't yet swum Ooh, you know I'd like to go to one of those you know in in the Maldives 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 we were discussing this the other day Maldives or Maldives you know there's those like underwater hotels like underwater like so you can go and have breakfast but you're under the water it's fully glass that sounds amazing. But also just, but also just there in general and swimming there would be amazing. Mm. Oh, and and I was going to say definitely like I've been to Somalia once. I've been to north of Somalia. I'm half Somali, and in the south, you know, there's there is great swimming. People are swimming out there. The ocean's pretty magical there. And I've been to the ocean in the north, but I'd like to go to the ocean in the south too. What's your favourite thing to wear while swimming? i got to say one of the most comfortable things that I have worn in the water. Uh, I mean, look, obviously it's complicated because swimming naked in the ocean is that's as good as it gets like but you know but then also there's not just people but there's jellyfish and things <laughs> but if you have to wear something I my thing is I mean bikinis and bathers and and they're fun and they look good and if you're sitting outside of the water short but when you're actually in the water one of the best things I've worn which was is my mum's is speedo have a line she got it in Malaysia, and I think it's marketed towards the Muslim swimmer, modest swimwear. It's to the elbow and to the knee and then high neck and zips up. But very brilliant Speedo. Speedo's the – you have Speedo, right? Yeah, we have Speedo, yeah. Yeah. And then back to the control underwear. It's all sort of cut really structurally really amazing but it's also you know speedo has some of the best technology for like amazing types of lycra and wet wicking fabrics on the kind of very very thin amazing form-fitting one piece you know bathers you can call it bathers which is kind of the the most that is hands down the most comfortable thing i've ever swum in i think i've actually seen your mum in that i've because i've swum with you and your mum here in margate yes i'm pretty sure she was wearing it then 
Yes, yes, with the little jelly shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. fantastic, lovely. The other thing I was going to mention, which scares me so much, because I did a little bit of snorkelling when I was younger and was terrified. Coral, you know, we lived in Papua New Guinea and, you know, my mum just was loving it and I wanted to love it because she loved it so much, but I was so scared, you know, wearing the thing and trying to breathe through the snorkel. And What was it? Were, were you scared of the, it takes a while to get used to breathing or were you scared of what you were seeing? Yes, both. So I was scared of the like, you know, you'd get a little bit of water in there and I'd be like, ah, I can't breathe. But also it was mad. Like it was like, what, what's it called? Like the little mermaid, you know, when the when they're doing the orchestra scene, like there was just every coloured fish and multicoloured coral and everything's moving. And I was like, all I could think was there's a bigger fish coming where's the bigger fish <laughs> something's gonna, something scary is gonna happen like I just couldn't get my head around it whereas my mum was just like wee like we'd go out and so I wasn't a big fan but Obi one of the majorettes who you know she went swimming in she'd gone to Egypt and then she was I don't know where she was but she told me this story because she loves snorkeling about snorkeling I mean just saying it makes me like Ooh. But she swam, so she's in the ocean and she's swimming. And then she said, they, you get to this point and it's just black, right? And she swam across it. And whatever it is, it's like somewhere where it goes like way deep, like crazy deep. And she's like, you know, it's amazing. And you're swimming over the top of it. And I was just like trying to compute it. And I've got this image in my mind and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, you could not. Like, it's like being stuck. She was like, you know, it's like space. Like, you're out Mm. and it's black. And I was just like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. And cold. Yeah. Cold and black. It's getting... I find that quite terrifying. Last summer, I was reading a lot of swimming books. Mm. And there's this really well-known swim where you can swim across part of the Bosphorus in Turkey. It was a very Mm. famous swim. And I read a few of these different books. People had done this particular swim. It's something people work up to. And it just, you know, there's a point that's just so deep. And they talk about the the jellyfish. And I was just like, that is so not what I want to be doing. It just sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No way. No, no way. Uh-uh. Thank you so much for listening and thanks to Marawa for being such a fantastic guest. If you've enjoyed this, please do rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And you can find out more about future guests at my Instagram page at Amber Butchart. See you next time on Making a Splash.